Hello and welcome back to the Woman to Woman podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the previous episodes. We've had so much, well I've had, there's no one else here. (laughs) I've had some really positive uh, feedback from people who have been listening. So thank you so much and I'm pleased that you're kind of enjoying the journey that we're on. In today's episode, I speak to my friend Danny. Now, I first met Danny when we were working together at the Bat and Ball in Stratford. I remember I was working a shift and I came in and there was an English girl and an English guy sitting at the table. And this was quite rare because in that particular restaurant, most of the people were, were Spanish or Italian, Romanian. I was like the only English person. So I met them and as time went on, we became really close friends. Um, We've had dinner parties, we've been for drinks. I would class this couple as two of my best friends and I hope as time continues to to kind of flourish and go that we continue that friendship. Um, And I also can't wait until lockdown's over so I can give them both a huge massive squeeze. I wanted to speak about this topic because it's something that I haven't experienced, but I know that a lot of women have. Now, I didn't approach Danny to ask her if she wanted to speak about this because I know that it's had a psychological impact on her and it has been upsetting for her at times to talk about it. But she came to me and she said, Hope, I want to speak about this because I think it will help other people. Last year, Danny and and Johnny found out they were expecting. It was not a planned pregnancy and they had to make a choice. I cannot kind of stress enough that this choice was not taken lightly, nor can I stress the impact that it's had since. This episode is really enlightening and I hope that if you've been in this situation or you're currently in this situation it kind of offers you some kind of comfort and support and for those like me who have not been in this situation hopefully it can educate you to an extent you're listening to the woman to woman podcast and this is danny's story we're gonna go on a walk probably like everyone else in the country um i think we're gonna go to uh, Walthamstow and just like go around the market and stuff there mm. yeah even the walks are getting boring now aren't they I'm going on the yeah, same quite, all the time yeah you're going on the same like maybe four walks every yeah. week <laughs> seeing the same people like oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a nod for that man yeah. with the Yorkshire, Yorkshire Terrier yeah seen you before <laughs> seen you before Danny let's start off the episode by talking about the first time we met do you remember when you first met me uh, yes, I do. It was at the bat and ball. Tell me more. Uh, well, you were you were a waitress like me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I met you on my first shift. I think it might have been like my second or third. Um, and I think it was Juliet who said to me, oh, you'll really get on with Hope. And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, you're quite similar to her. And I was like, oh, well, cool then. And then when, like, as soon as you came in, you had blonde hair at the time. You didn't have brown hair. Your hair was, like, bright blonde. Um, and, yeah, as soon as you, like, said hello to everyone at the bar, I was like, I'm guessing this is Hope. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is her. Um, so, so, yeah, and then I think we just kind of bonded over similar interests. And we are quite similar, so. We are. We are quite similar, yeah. I mean, I think you're more, I think in some ways you're more bold than me. Uh, I 
think it depends what you're talking about there because I think you're very bold and confident anyway so I don't know why you think I'm more bold than you I I think I think you'd be better at dealing with like if there was a situation that was like conflict I think you'd deal with it better than I would oh and we have seen that play out at my house having a barbecue yeah yeah no uh okay I agree with you there I think um I am I'm good at I don't get angry quickly unless you know well even if someone annoys me I'm quite good at trying to diffuse the situation and not raise my voice because that doesn't really do anything apart from people just shout at you even more yeah you're quite you're quite good at making your points quite justified yeah yeah I think it's because my my mum is a quite an argumentative person uh and even my my dad out out of the mother yeah, my dad literally said, he was like, I never argued until uh, I married your mother. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, she, she just winds me up. And, uh, and yeah, my mum, <laughs> she loves an argument though. And she's the type of person who will explode, mm-hmm. even if it's like not your fault. And then she'll be your best friend like two minutes later. Yeah. Whereas if something annoys me, like if you really rile me up, I'll warn you. And I'll be like, look, you're pushing some buttons now. And I think we need to stop. And I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of a scenario in the kitchen, by the way, when you're saying this. Yeah, and um, but if I really get annoyed, and I mean, like, I see red, I do have to leave because I will be like, you know, an aggressive animal, and I won't <laughs> let go. And so I will, I'll, I'll leave, and I'll sulk. I might sulk the whole day and stew on it, and then I'll be fine. But my mum, she'll shout, and then she's like, "Oh, we're best friends again!" Yeah. I'm like, no, you annoyed me. Leave me alone. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw you. You were at Bat and Ball. So for listeners, Bat and Ball is a, is a restaurant in Stratford. And although Danny and I both work in media now, we were kind of dream chasing at the time and we were doing waitressing. And yeah. I remember you and your partner, um, Jonathan, were sitting Jonathan. on the table, on the table with the manager, Matt, doing all your forms and stuff. And I, yeah. I, can't, I remember I felt threatened. I will say that. I felt threatened. What? I did. Why? I think it was because I was like, the only maybe the only like English waitress Mm. and I kind of found my place within being that person Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so there was another English bird coming in and I was thinking what are you doing (laughs) you can take my place (laughs) obviously yeah but obviously now we're like the best of friends um so I don't feel like that anymore I don't feel threatened anymore I hope not because I don't want to be a threatening person (laughs) so obviously I mentioned there that you you came in and you and Johnny both started working together so I know you both we're both all friends talk to us about your relationship with with him if you don't mind saying how long you've been together how did that happen yeah so I've known uh my boyfriend John for uh just over 10 years now mm-hmm. we met when I just moved schools so I was actually at an all-girls school up until mm-hmm. I was 16 Uh, And then I went to a mixed school just down the road um, and John had been there his whole senior um, schooling. And we both were in media studies together um, and we just became really good friends. He was really funny. He made me laugh. Uh, He had a great sense of humour. He was just bubbly and kind of everyone gets drawn to him. He's kind of the person you want at a party or any social gathering because he is fine he doesn't he's not shy he'll just talk to anyone 
Um, but we were friends. That was literally, we were, we were really good friends. Even up until university, we used to like talk on the phone while doing our essays or whatever. Um, and then one drunken New Year's Eve, um, we, I mean, we always joked when we were young, oh, we'll probably end up, you know, sleeping together or getting together. And we were like, yeah, it probably will happen, but nah, like you're my mate. And um, yeah, anyway, New Year's Eve, I think it must have been 2014. Yeah, 2014. Uh, we got really drunk. I went to my friend Josh's house and um, yeah, slept together. <laughs> and um, it was weird, but obviously it was lovely. And then we, the next day we were like, right, no, we're mates. This is weird. Let's not do it. But we ended up kept getting drawn to each other. And every time we were back for holidays or whatever, back in our hometown, we would always hang out and sleep together. Um, and it got to the point where obviously I got feelings. Um, and I said to him, like, I feel like you're not my friend anymore. You're just kind of using me for sex. Um, but we're not talking like we used to, because we used to just phone each other in the middle of the night and be like, yeah, we're we'll we'll going to watch this film. And um, kind of like, we we kind of say we're a bit like when Harry met Sally, like that story, because, you know, they have nothing sexual going on. And they, you know, we used to actually phone each other and watch films together. Like that was like what we did. And so, yeah, I basically said to him, no, like, you're not my friend. This is too hard on me. I think we need to, you know, not see each other. And it was quite hard because we have the same circle of friends. Yeah. Um, and I always said to my friends as well, I was like, look, if there's a situation where John's there and you want me there, of course I'm going to come. I'm not going to make it awkward, but I just want you guys to all be aware that I'm trying to distance myself from him. Um, and it only lasted like three weeks, really, um, <laughs> because all my friends as well were telling John, oh, she's seeing someone. And yes, I went on two dates with this guy, yeah. uh, but there was no spark. And, um, and John obviously realised he had feelings and I had this house party which he wasn't invited to um and he turned up and uh, when everyone left he stayed and I didn't actually know he was there um and then he came out and I was like no you're not allowed here like you need to go and he was like no I've like made a mistake and um I, I want you to be my girlfriend I think we should give it a go um and then uh, and then I kind of did that thing for Miss Congeniality when she goes you want to kiss me you want to love me and uh, and he was like shut up so so yeah and he was like they turned around and walked away yeah he was like no okay that's it I'm calling it quits so um so yeah so that was kind of I think it was about November we think we're not quite sure because obviously it was all a bit um blurry yeah. But we've said it was like November um, when we kind of got together in 2016. So we've now been together just over four years. So our relationship is, it's great because we're best friends. Like I don't see him as my boyfriend. So even when I introduce people, I'm like, this is John, my boyfriend. That's what are you? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I often say partner because I feel like boyfriend sounds kiddie and like I am in school. And I'm not. And uh, so I want it to be more like sophisticated. Also, like, I don't know, he is, I would say he is my partner because, you know, we do everything together. And yeah, you yeah, are the best friend. of friends. Yeah, we are. Like, we hang out as mates. And a lot of our friends have also said that we're great because you wouldn't necessarily know we're in a relationship because we're not always like on top of each other or anything. Mm -hmm. But we just hang out and have a laugh and have a dance. And then we might have like the old kiss here and there. But like, that's it. Like, I feel like <laughs> a lot of I mean? people who know you as a couple would be like, you, you can't say Danny without saying Johnny. Like, yeah, come as a yeah. pair. Do you know what I mean? 
yeah definitely and everyone's always said like um that they call us the Johnsons so Johnny's surname <laughs> is Yates uh, so you know typically traditionally if I was yeah. to be with him I'd be a Yates but everyone has always called us oh the Johnsons and I'm like yes like even my dad's like yeah you're the Johnsons <laughs> that probably is because in the relationship as well you are the kind of in a way, the dominant, like, it's a kind of matriarchal in a way. Yeah. Um, I want to just pu- put a pin in that and we'll come back to that in a moment. I want to reverse back to when you said about being an all-girls school, then going into mm. a mixed school. How was that adjustment? Um, for me, it was fine because my, I've got a younger brother and he did um, rugby on weekends. Okay. You know, like a society or club. Um, and so I live in a town called Newbury and there's the Newbury uh, Rugby Football Club which was like right opposite our old house and um, so Ben always used to do that and um, so I always used to go up there with my dad and watch and then I befriended some like guys there and then even when I was at St Gabriel's the old girls school we used to have socials where we would invite boys from other schools to come Um, and obviously that was like the first time we had a social that was like boys oh my god I mean we were like you know probably 13 so of course that was a big thing so also you've just probably gone through puberty and you're like oh hormones what's this um but no I thought it was fine I mean the only thing I remember first one of my first lessons going to an all-girls school was great because you know you weren't um embarrassed to ask questions and we were always told you should always ask questions um and that was fine and you know even if you felt a bit silly one day or a bit slow um your friends would never take the mick out of you even people who weren't in your like friendship circle yeah so when I first had a lesson with boys I was a bit more like oh, what no. happens if they think I'm stupid or or anything but then it was like no like they're they're boys and when you do go to school with boys you realize that they're like four years younger than you <laughs> even though they're in your year and they're probably not even paying attention to what you're saying um so so no it was fine I mean it was weird but uh it, it was it was fine really let's talk about puberty um and your first period do you remember that yes I do and I remember exactly where I was um so I started when I was 12 um, I was just about to turn 13, to be fair. Um, it was the Christmas before. So my birthday's in, a Jan- in the January. Um, it was December before. Yeah. And I was in geography. Um, oh. And it was a right at the top. So I was in a really old school. And uh, yeah, it was right at the top. And um, I had this weird pain. Uh, and it felt like a stomachache, but not a stomachache. And I was like, oh, oh I, don't, I don't feel quite right. And, you know, when you feel like you've, you're having a sensation that you've never had before, you automatically think, oh, my God, I might be sick. Because, like, sometimes when you have a certain stomach ache, you're like, oh, God, like, this could be, mm-hmm. like, a tummy bug or something. So I remember I was like, oh, maybe I should go to the toilet. And I went, and obviously I started my period. And I immediately texted my mum, and I had a really cool little pink flip phone. <laughs> uh, and it had a great fish game on it. I can't remember what the brand was. But, yeah, uh, and I texted and I was like, oh, well, I think I've just started – period mm-hmm. and obviously my mum like phoned me and she was like oh my god like okay do you need anything and I was like no I've got like pads and I had tampons with me but I really struggled with tampons for a long time so I, I started with pads um and yeah and then that that was really it so I was quite young and I actually got put on the contraceptive pill when I was okay. 14. From what pill it was? Um it was the first one I was on was microgynon. Okay. 
Um, so the reason they put me on the pill, I was not sexually active before anyone thinks that I was. I was a slow scatter. Um, I uh, had really bad period pains. And I mean, like every, probably after my first year of periods, then they started to get really bad. And I mean, so bad that I wouldn't eat. I would throw up. Oh, wow. uh, the first two days I would have to take off school every, every like, month. Cause yeah, I would just like be shaking. I'd be cold. I'd be hot and yeah, I'd be sick. And then I actually ended up cracking my head um, twice uh, from being sick. And then I had no, nothing in my system. I stood up. And as I was standing up, I fell and hit my head on the toilet and then oh. fell on the floor. So my mum obviously came in and was like, oh my God. So I went to the hospital and then they said, right, she needs to go on contraceptives because that will help with the hormones. And that did, it did really help. Um, and it also um, made my periods a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I'm, I'm like my mum, I get it from my mum. We're both very heavy, yeah. like normally. Um, and my poor mum, like she's what, 52 and she's, well, she's going through a bit of menopause now, but she's still having bad periods. Um, and she's even had that laser operation where they're supposed to get your, um, the walls of your uterus off. Because I've never time, heard of that. Yeah. So over time, cause you know, every time you um, have a period, your, it's your lining that comes yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. So over the years, it just kind of keeps building up and it never always comes out. And so her like lining was quite thick. Um, So they kind of cut it off so that your periods will then be a lot lighter afterwards. Um, And it did help for maybe two years. And then she um, had the bad again. Did you have to pay for that? Um, I I don't think my mum did actually because she had them so bad. Um, And yeah, she, she, bless her, had been through accidents where she'd, flooded or like we'd be on holiday and you know she would have an accident and luckily like she she got really embarrassed about it I mean you would so um so yeah so she managed to get that I think it was free because she had for this for years and well it's it's not only like physical what's the word philosophical physical 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 physiological that's what I was trying to say like a physical thing but it's also the mental implications as well that the kind of embarrassment and shame which you shouldn't feel because it's a completely natural thing that you can't help but yeah but I think again it's a stereotype over it isn't it and our parents generation you know they didn't really talk about it as much as maybe we do but I mean ask any woman if you were to be wearing a bikini or a skirt Mm -hmm. out on holiday and you stand up and you don't realize that you've got it coming down your leg and you're with other people you are going to be embarrassed because it you know you've got yourself in a vulnerable situation when you're on your period anyway you're quite vulnerable and emotional and then that's happened to you you just you know it's not nice so um so so yeah so um I think she got it free because she never said she had to pay for it but um so yeah that's why I was uh, put on the pill but I've gone through a lot of pills in my adolescence uh after because microgyron didn't it made me really angry and I mean like like see red I'd get angry and snappy about everything like if you bought me a tea and it was like too hot I would like snap at you but you were a um, joy to live with yeah exactly my <laughs> mum hated it I mean my mum actually loved it because she's an argumentative person so she was yeah, like, she was yeah, like oh yeah to, like yeah I got someone to fight um and then so I went on another one um which was cool I can't remember that one I don't it began with an L um and then that one made me really hungry like every two hours so I got a bit fat <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, so I didn't like that one then they put me on another one 
and that made me really spotty again with my hormones I do typically get at least one massive spot before every period yeah <laughs> um and the pills did help that to be fair and but yeah this the third one made me really spotty then the fourth one they put me on was Celeste and I really liked that one um that one helped my skin didn't dry me out um it helped with my periods helped with the pain uh but then that was quite expensive so then the NHS put me on a cheaper one yeah um which is something begin with L as well I can't say it's a really long word like lymphocene anyway um so they put me on that one and then I was I've been on that one when I was on that for well I've been on it since I've been 14 on and off so I've been on the pills for quite a while and are you currently on that pill I'm back on the the one beginning with L yeah Okay. Yeah. So as you know, the Woman to Woman podcast is about speaking to people, women who are mean something to me, who are inspirational, who have been through something that's quite traumatic and have come yeah. out the other side. And it's about sharing our journeys in the most honest and kind of frank way. And today I've got you here to speak about the fact that you had an abortion. Yes. So let's dive into that. Growing up, We've spoken about when you were at school, at an all-girls school, then going to a mixed school, meeting Johnny, um, having a big friendship group. Did you ever think about abortions? And did you ever have any views about them? Um, yes. I'm just going to move my computer because I feel like I'm really dark. Oh, uh, yes, I did. Um, I So I've always been really close with my mum, which has been great. Uh, we talk about everything. And we talked about, like, you know, if you get yourself into a certain situation, like what would you do? We'd had open discussions and I'd always thought, uh, well, when I was younger as well, I always wanted kids. Um, I always saw myself, you know, as a little girl, I had dolls and thought, yeah, I'd love to be a mum. And I love babies, like, like my family friends had babies. I'd always cuddle them and help. And I always helped my mum with my younger brother when he was born, which she loved. Um, and so, yeah, I was really close to my mum. We had the talk and I was like, if I got myself in a situation, let's say like uh, I slept with someone, he wasn't in a, like I wasn't in a relationship mm-hmm. and I was really young and I was still living at home. Um, I had no like leg to stand on in terms of finances or, yeah. or a career, then I probably would have an abortion because it's not fair on not only me, but the child. Um, and so I'd always had quite a clear, distinct idea that if I wasn't ready um, or certain situations, then yeah, I would have one. I would be open to one because um, I wouldn't want to be a not very good mum. Or uh, I know a lot of people are amazing mums. I'm not saying that if you have a baby when you're young, like that. That's just how I felt. Um, and I didn't want to trap a guy either if he wasn't ready to be a dad. Because I think you know, I know women have the authority to keep the child. And it's not up to the man to say yes or no. But I think when you're in a partnership like me and Johnny, we had the chat, even before this happened, we'd openly had the conversation that if we got into a certain situation, this is how I feel, how would you feel? And we both came to the conclusion, like we weren't ready. So, um, so yeah, I'd always been open to the idea. And yeah, I think when you're young, you, you were like, oh yeah, no, I do this, I do this, it'd be fine. But until you're in a situation, it, it, it is different. And you do almost challenge your own opinions and your own yeah. thoughts because you don't, you don't know how you're going to react in any situation until you're in it. 
whether that's like a family member getting diagnosed with a disease or an, an exam result that you didn't have that was very good mm-hmm. or you know getting into a university or moving like you don't know until you're there and then you're like oh actually maybe I don't want that or maybe I do want that so so yeah I'd always been open to the idea of having it it just depended I guess if I was ever going to get into that situation you said there that when you were younger you always wanted to be a mum you had your dollies you helped with your brother why do you think that was um I don't really know I don't know whether that was nature and nurture Mm -hmm. um you know I from a young age I was bought dollies so and I loved them I can't say that it was because people bought them for me or because I do have a mother in instinct, I mean, all of my friends call me the mother hen, like in any <laughs> situation, no matter how drunk, no matter where we are, I will be the one to be like, right, everyone, let's go, or yeah. come on, we're all right. And so I do think I do have that, like that mother in instinct. So I don't know if it's a bit of both. And maybe because I did have a younger brother as well. Mm-hmm. And I was four years older than him. So I was kind of at the age of understanding that he was a baby and they, they are quite hard work but also I wanted to help yeah. I've always been very independent as well so my um my mum was always like oh daddy if you want to do this you can I'm like yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> do you still feel like that do you still think you want to have children <laughs> this is a constant debate I have in my own head a mm. lot um as I've got older so when I was younger I always wanted them and then as I've reached certain ages in my life you know when you're young or you're at school you're like okay by the time I'm 22 I would have left uni and I would have found the love of my life and I'd get married by 25 and then I had children by 28 like you know and as you get older you're like oh shit I'm getting past all these milestones that are (laughs) just just, just for the benefit of the audience quickly you're how old now I'm 27 so you almost forgot forgot that 27 yeah, I, I also was like you're 27 now but I didn't want to say the wrong age so you no, no, I almost said 28 then so I'm, all, <laughs> I'm like wishing a life away like my year away already so no I just turned 27 yeah um so I left university at 22 graduated so mm-hmm. I went a year later technically um because I did an art foundation um and yeah so I you know you always have these milestones in your in your like mind of where you're going to be at certain ages and again, that might be pressure from society or family or whatever. You can't help but have family members as well that go, by the time I'm with your age, I was married yeah. with three kids, you know, and you're like, okay. But also back then, you know, women didn't like typically like my grandma, for example, she didn't work as soon as she got married. It was like, you got married and then you popped out the children. So it's a different thing now. Like modern day, I think it's amazing that women can have the choice mm-hmm. um, over their own body. And if they want kids or not, there's nothing wrong if you don't want children. And I think we need to stop that conversation with women, especially with, oh, so are you with anyone? Or are you thinking of getting married? Or are you gonna buy a house? Or are you gonna have kids? Like, it's not a competition with other people's lives, depending on like where you are. Because as a couple as well, me and John, like, yeah, I'm getting close to 30 now. And initially in my mind, back when I was younger I thought I'd have probably been married and maybe had a kid but realistically especially in our relationship we're not ready for that yeah so I think you can't put a number on how you feel and what you're ready for 
because I think the, the only thing I do get worried about is women typically do have a time clock on whether Isn't or not you want so to. Isn't it so unfair? It's so unfair because, <laughs> you know, I read the other day that once you hit 25, you have, I think, over less than half of your eggs are now good. And it's <gasps> oh, like, and it's like, 24. I know exactly but I'm like okay great so I'm almost 30 now <laughs> and then I read online it's like when you get to 30 you only have like a certain percentage which are like the optimum great eggs and then the rest are kind of like a bit oh. and it's that's like oh my God, so if, I, if I get to 35 and you know maybe I just want to start having a kid then and that's why as women get older you might have more um, issues with pregnancy or diseases or you know certain genetic things can go wrong and I think it's because unfortunately women do have this time clock which is unfair uh, and that's the thing I feel a lot of pressure I do feel pressure I can't imagine I sorry no, you, go, you go I was gonna say go. I can't imagine like I feel pressure not from anyone in my family the only person who ever asks if I've got a, a man on the scene is my grandma um, but I think that's just a start of conversation um, yeah. <laughs> I feel pressure in some ways to have a baby because of the the body clock situation as you mentioned there yeah but because I'm not in a relationship I can imagine there's a lot less pressure on someone like me who's a single person than it is on someone like you who is in a committed loving relationship yeah I do agree with you there but then I think let's say if you said you wanted to have a child on your own you would probably have a lot of judgment and I'm not saying people are going to judge you negatively but you know people have an opinion and they'll go, oh, but you're going to do that on your own? Aren't they no, annoying? No, no one people. with you? And, and it's like, you know, so you'll get that if you decide to have a child on your own. And then for me and John, if we don't want children, we'll constantly get asked why. Why don't we want kids? And, and why? Is there something wrong? Like, can you not have children? And, you know, I've been asked several times now, like, because me and John are now in a four-year relationship. It's constantly like, so you're going to get married? I don't know. You could have kids. I don't know like you know and it, it, we've, we've been asked a lot and and I have actually been asked in interviews which is actually illegal so if any women out there if you get asked if you would like to have children they cannot ask you that question did you tell me did you know that at the time uh, I did yeah my my auntie is very good and she um is a very good business person and she told me um so so yeah, I did know that. And I told, I actually called out the guy who said it. I went, actually, that's just against the law to ask me that question. I said, I bet you don't ask any other man if he's going to have children. And he literally <laughs> went into a proper fluster and he went, Gosh, I'm so sorry, please don't. And I went, I went, no, why don't we start that again? And, uh, and literally it was so, I said, you were yeah, bold. This is what I, I meant. Yeah, literally, I, I said to him, I was like, let's start that again. And then after the interview, I went, thank you for your time. And I said to him right then, I went, I don't think I'll be taking this position, even if you do offer it to me. And he literally was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I literally, but I was like, no, I'm not going to be, because you know, an interview as well, it's as much you're interviewing them as they are you. And yes, I, I think you're right. I can't be quite right. Yeah. Danny also, the job that she's got now, she got it by sitting in the reception reception area and saying, I'm not leaving until the boss comes out because the receptionist told yeah. him that she's that uh, kind of yeah. woman yeah I did I sat there until a manager came to speak to me <laughs> aren't you so was... proud of yourself for doing that oh yeah yeah and I would recommend it to anyone <laughs> because it works <laughs> and uh, but it was so funny because I sat there like upright like oh my and literally you just put everyone looking at me like who is she like who is this woman who are you so yeah but um it works so so yes I'm really sorry. I'll be sidetracked now. That's fine. That's what it's all about. Um, So some people um, 
including myself, maybe when you told me, if I'm if I'm totally honest, when you said that you were you were pregnant and you were going to make this decision, quite surprising in some ways because for someone from the outside, you and Johnny look ready. Do you know what I mean? You've been in a long relationship. You're getting older. You've you're on okay money. So for some people, they might find it quite surprising that you didn't decide to keep the baby, especially because you mentioned there about the body clock as well. So you have got these fears that go around in your head. Um, Tell us about the day or the period where you found out you were with child. Um, Okay, so I Also, let me just say quickly, if I'm saying any language that you don't want to use, you just tell me. No, no, it's all fine. Um, So as I mentioned earlier, I've been on the contraceptive pills for a long time Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be on them anymore. Uh, I was looking into other forms of contraceptives because I don't like condoms. Why was Um, it you didn't want to be on the pill anymore? Because I just, you know, you're pumping yourself full of hormones every day for three weeks. Um, And I was kind of, I didn't want that anymore. And I felt like I, you know, I'd been on it for so long and I'm not a depressive person or anything, but I was feeling a bit more down. And I think it might have been the contraceptive pill. I'm not sure. Or it was in my head. Um, And so I was looking at other types of contraceptives that weren't hormone related. I mean, I'd already had conversations years ago with uh, family planning doctors and nurses. And they said I couldn't have the implant because of my history with heavy periods. It would affect that even more. Um, Yeah, it can make you bleed a lot instead of like... um, you know, once a week, not once a week, sorry, five days in a week yeah, of a month, yeah. um, they said you might end up having um, intermittent bleeds and they might be really heavy and it might not be, you know, every like three weeks. It could be one a week. So even though you get a contraceptive, so you're going to have safe sex, a lot of the time it's going to be bloody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be bloody sex. Yeah, I was like, I don't really, and also like the implant in your arm, for people who don't know it, like I had friends who had them and it, kind of freaked me out like, yeah, so I, was like, oh. yeah like I had a friend who had it and I touched it and I was like Ooh. um and then so the injection I didn't want because also again that's hormones and you have to have mm-hmm. that every three months so then I was looking at the coil so there's two different types of coil there's like the marina coil which is um the uh the one that has no I think the marina has no drugs in it and the copper one has the drugs in it um and I wanted the one that had no drugs in it and so, so do you know how that works so it's it's it doesn't release stuff that stops you getting pregnant it basically has spermicide on it okay so it just kills um, so the sperm it, it just kills the sperm so it goes this is what happens apparently I had friends who've had it as well they have to go up your cervix mm-hmm. um open it up and then they snap it in so it like oh. hooks into your cervix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And apparently it does hurt because especially if you haven't had children, um, <laughs> it's your cervix is really narrow. And is it like, is it, I mean, I should know this as a woman, but it's cervix like mainly muscles that obviously open up when you have the baby. I think it is muscles or it might be cartilage because it, you know, if you do hurt your cervix, that freaking kills. Um, so it would be like... So I'm, quite tight yes and I think that's the thing if you haven't had children um it 
it's really narrow and obviously it hasn't opened up whereas when you have children your cervix opens to 10 centimeters <laughs> I love and, that little uh, family. Yeah. <laughs> opens up to 10 centimeters as easy as that that's as yeah, easy as it as feels that. yeah okay, the labor's nothing um so so yeah and apparently that does hurt because yeah they open you up obviously as if you were having a smear and then they have to snap it into your cervix and I was like oh that kind of sounds gross makes my like my bum fizz as John says and um yeah <laughs> he always says if something freaks him out it makes his bum fizz and, I always um, say toes curl not bum fizz I like that I might start using that yeah and uh and I had a friend who'd had it uh and actually my manager's had it and she said it was great like you know she, you can have one I think the last five years or you can have one that lasts 10 years mm-hmm. so that's that's it you don't need to worry about it after that um but I said to her, I was like right does it hurt though and she said yeah she said you have to take ibuprofen before you go in and she said, I'm fine with, you know, vaginal exams or anything. Um, but the nurse said, do you want to hold a hand? And Georgie apparently was like, no. And then when they snapped in, she was like, she said, it almost feels like you're getting punched. It's like, oh, and it is like a p- massive period pain. And she did say it did really hurt. Like she was in pain probably for like a week after. <sighs> because again, you've opened up a cervix. And I think it, you know, and that makes me feel weird. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Anyway. Sorry, I'm so glad I'm not on any contraceptive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, I decided to stop the pill, and I was thinking about going on this coil. Yeah. Um, and I stopped the pill uh, on the 22nd of December because it was the last day of my holiday. Um, and um, yeah, and me and John were using condoms until we figured out what to to do. Um, and. One one time in January, a uh, condom broke and I went to get the morning after pill, took that. When did you notice what, that it had, it had snapped? Was that after intercourse or was it during? Straight after, yeah. Um, and so I went to get the morning after pill, took that, um, everything seemed to be fine. And then, um, and then just in case I took a pregnancy test in February and it came up negative. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, fine. I'm in the clear. And then I hadn't had a period. I think it then reached like the end of February and like, it was still on my mind, but also now I look back. Um, yeah, now I've gone through it. I obviously was pregnant because my boobs were bigger and they felt heavy. And I remember going up at, up and down the stairs at my work. Um, and they just felt, I was wearing a bra, but like when they would move it and I was like, God, they feel heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and they're a bit sore. Um, and, and also I, now I know that food made me feel quite sick. So I would feel really sick um, before I would eat and then I'd be like well maybe I just need a little something and I would eat like a satsuma or something and then I would be ravenous um, and then I'd eat something but it wouldn't even be a big portion it would almost be like little grazes yeah. and then I'd be like full again and but then I'd be hungry like an hour later um, and again looking back obviously it was it was because I was pregnant Anyway, I was at work and I said to a colleague, I went, I still haven't had a period. And she was like, have you taken a race test? I was like, yeah, I took one like two weeks ago and it was negative. And she was like, okay, give it another week or two. And I would take another one because sometimes it could be a false negative, um, especially if it's like a new pregnancy. 
Do you think um, in the back of your mind you subconsciously knew? Because obviously you took the test and it was negative. Sometimes it's like you you could be like, right, it's negative. My period must be late because it's just late this week, this month, because I've done the negative test. Do you reckon in the back of your mind there was something niggling away going, mm. No, I was in complete denial. Okay. <laughs> um, like even, you know, when I look back now, I'm thinking my boobs were bigger. I just thought I'd got a bit fatter or my boobs had just got a bit bigger. I, I read and I was completely oblivious. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and it was, it was on a morning. I think it was a Saturday or Sunday morning. I'm not, I think it might have been a Sunday because you were working. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Sunday. Anyway, I thought, okay, I'm going to take the test in the morning because they say when you first wake up, you should pee on it then yep. because um, you've got all the hormones. So I got up straight away. I went to the bathroom, put on my dressing gown and took a pregnancy test. And I did feel really nervous. Um, but I also was like, oh, well, it'll be negative because the first one was negative. I'm just, my period's just late. And um, it was instantaneous that it came up. It wasn't even, I didn't even have to wait very long at all. And the instant feeling was um, anxiety. I felt really sick. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, could you think, you always wonder how you're going to react in that situation. And probably many women out there have taken a pregnancy test Um and it's been negative, um, that's good for a lot of people. Um, and you always do worry, but as soon as it comes up negative, you're like, okay, yeah, I knew I wasn't pregnant. Okay, yeah, it's fine. And then when this shot up, I was like, oh my God, like this this is real. This this is it now. Like, if we what flip, do I do? If we flip that, that on its head, I'm sure there's loads of women who, if they receive a negative, they would be heartbroken if they're really trying one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If women are trying, so I was I was talking about like no, I know when you're in a situation of maybe a one night stand or a, just a worry that your your period's late and it's come back negative. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I I said in the bathroom quite loudly, shit, <laughs> and and John literally went what what, and I think John knew because. Yeah, let's, stop, uh, let's let's go back a little bit. When you had the sore boobs and you spoke to work and you said my period's still late and they said do another test and you got the yeah. other test, were you communicating this with Johnny and what was he saying? I had said to John, um, I, I think I need to take another test because my period's still late. And John was like, okay, he's like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah. And I said to him, I'm sure it'll be negative. Like, it'll be fine. Um, but I even said to him then, I was like, but we know what we're going to do if it is positive. And he was like, okay, so as long as you're all right. So yeah, John did know, but I don't think he knew I was going to take it that morning. Okay. I just said, oh, I'm going to take it in the morning. Um, and John had work that morning. He started at like 10. Uh, he was opening the bar when you were on the floor. And um, yeah, so anyway, I said shit. And I didn't know, I was scared to tell him. I know he would react fine, but when you're in that situation, you're worried that, you know, you were worried about how they're going to react as well. Was and, there um, part of you that was worried that he would not want the same as you? Was that, did no. that enter your head? No, I knew me and John have had lots of conversations about like where we're at and where we want to go in our relationship or our life. And, you know, I think I'm more ahead than he is in terms of where the next stages are of our relationship. John is quite... I'm gonna say he's a bit of a commitment phobe. I know like he's not because he's with me, but certain big milestones in people's lives do scare him. And we have had actually quite a few 
discussions and arguments because you know especially as I'm getting older as well I've said certain things to him and I'm like well I I don't know why it scares you so much because it's me at the end of the day Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to marry me now or have a baby or whatever but I want to know that maybe you know in our life this could happen yeah um so so yeah so no John I knew he would not want it um because we've had this conversation I mean, I want a dog really bad and he's not ready for a dog. So <laughs> um, just before we move on in, in terms of the, the reaction, um, oh, what was I going to say? It's just slipped my mind. Oh, my God. Um, OK, it slipped my mind. I don't know why it's gone. Bye bye. It's coming back. Let's just do something different. Um, OK, so when you said shit and he said, mm. what's wrong? Yeah. Came in the bathroom. No, um, I came out, I think he was about to come into the bathroom. I came out, and as you can see, this is our, this is our bed. Mm-hmm. My bathroom is just, just around there. Um, and he sleeps on the side by the wardrobe, so not the side closest to the chest of drawers. And I think he was about to come out. And I came out and I just said to him, I went, I walked to the window and I went, please don't freak out because I'm really freaking out and I just need, you to stay calm and he went what what and I said um, I've just taken another test and it's positive and then as I said it I cried because I was really worried about how he was going to react and I think because I was really freaking out because uh, you don't know you know people have these conversations about what you would do and in those situations but I didn't know who to contact or who to go to in this situation I almost felt really worried and scared to go to my mum even though I tell her everything because I didn't want her to be and I know she would never be ashamed of me I don't want people to think she would be but I felt guilty mm-hmm. about like about it and I know she would always be supportive but I was I was worried to tell her so why did you feel guilty um I think because my mum's quite a very strong opinionated person and I've since had loads of arguments with her about this and she's always said like, oh, people who get themselves into certain situations, whether it's an unwanted pregnancy, she's openly said, um, you know, there's lots of precautions you can take out there mm-hmm. to stop this from happening. So I don't know why people um, need to have like abortions and stuff like that. Um, obviously, I've since educated her about that because we were using contraceptives. I then took the contraceptive, the after pill, the morning after pill. But I'm clearly very fertile and my mum actually is very fertile Um, and it didn't work and it doesn't always work. It does. They do tell you it might not work. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I was freaking out and I was crying and John stood up and just hugged me and I went, oh, who do I contact? And so I phoned 111 because it's not an emergency. I'm not dying, but I needed to speak to a professional. Um, and I spoke to this this gentleman and I was obviously like really upset. And I said, um, I've just found out I'm pregnant and I don't know who to talk to. Um, can you can you give me some advice? And he was really nice. And he said, right, let me give you a call back. Uh, I'm going to speak to someone like who works within yeah. family planning. And this lovely lady called me back and she gave me lots of numbers for different um charities or companies that deal with um abortions or adoption uh and all of that 
And I, I said on the phone though, then I said, I think I want an abortion. Um, because the idea of me being a mum now, I, at the end of the day, everyone's entitled to their own choice in their life. Mm-hmm. And I know some people might maybe even judge me for mine because there are a lot of people who are pro-life out there and that's absolutely fine if you believe that. But I also don't believe it's a, a human being until it gets to, I think, 12 weeks when the heart beats. So that's my opinion, but everyone has their own. Um, but I, you know, I don't want people to to judge me for my my choice because it was mine and my boyfriend's. But um, yeah, so I thought I wanted an abortion and I phoned these, I had the numbers and then I went to work with John and I walked to work and he was being really supportive and lovely. And I was just quite quiet because I didn't know how to feel. I was just really worried. And I hadn't, after I cried on the phone, I then was fine. I'm not a huge crier uh, as well. If anyone who knows me, I might get I don't really think I've upset. ever seen you cry. No, a lot of people haven't, to be fair. Even if I feel really sad, like I need to cry. Actually, that's a lie. I've seen you cry. Oh, when I was really drunk, that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> that was alcohol. Yeah. um but but yeah so um I so you were walking to work and then you were there and you went you all right and I said not really and I think you could see it on my face because you guessed it I guessed it straight away didn't I um and I I didn't even say it to you you said it and then I just nodded because I couldn't say yes so in Um, essence was I apart from Johnny and apart from the man and the lady on the phone was I the first person to know yeah okay yeah you were I hadn't told anyone yet and um I went into uh the function room at the Baton Mall while you guys were setting up and I spoke to the first number they gave me um which I'm gonna can't remember off the top of my head I think it was the British Association for Abortions mm-hmm. um and spoke to them and they gave me lots of information and it was a bit of a blur because you don't really take stuff in when you have shocking news. You just kind of glaze over. And I remember she was asking me lots of questions and she was like, okay. And they kind of give you like a bit of an assessment on the phone. And they say, oh, we'll find out where your closest clinic is and you can go in and speak to a nurse or a midwife there. So you don't have to even agree there and then, or even when you go in, you have the chance to pull out. Can we I just, just make that? yeah sorry go again I was gonna say I want to make that very clear to anyone who goes through this if you think you want one and you end up being in front of the doctor and then you pull out you you can't like you know there's no harm going to find out if you're not sure let's go back a little little bit because you said that when you spoke to the man on the phone you're using words like I thought I think I want an abortion but that's Mm. quite interesting considering that you and Johnny had had previous conversations and you'd said it's okay if it comes positive we know what we're going to do and when Mm. he found out you knew that you were what he'd want so how come it went from we're definitely going to do that to I think I thought I think again, like I said to you, until you're in that situation, you're not sure how you're going to react. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can say everything under the sun, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then when something happens, it does make you think. I mean, at the time when I found out, I, I 
was 26 I don't know, I've been 26 like a couple of months yeah. and um and I didn't think I wanted kids and then when that happens there were lots of things that were telling me no to having children like I know you think or anyone who doesn't who doesn't really know me and John as as well or from the outside we might look like we're ready to have a baby and we're financially stable we're not I mean, when well, in our eyes, we're not ready and we're not financially stable. Um, and I know there's never a right time to have a child. Anyone can tell you that who is a parent. There's never the perfect time. There's always going to be something in your life. Um, at the end of the day, I remember, I mean, I knew John wasn't ready, but it was more like I was questioning myself. Yeah. And I wasn't ready. I think that's the biggest thing like I wasn't ready I was not ready to be pregnant let alone be a mother because you are now responsible for that little person basically for the rest of their life I know like you know they can move out when they're 18 but as the parent you're never gonna not be a parent yeah yeah you're never not gonna be a parent anymore yeah so and I was like oh my god I I can't be a parent and this might be a selfish reason and it well it is but um me and well I like being a bit selfish and so does John and we like being selfish together in the sense that if we want to go on holiday we have nothing tying us down if we want to spend loads of money going on a festival and getting really like drunk on a weekend we can uh and I'm not saying that parents can't do that either but you know you haven't got a time um and yeah, I just wasn't, I was thinking about, well, I was like, so that's why I said, I think I want an abortion because I'm pretty sure I knew, um, I didn't, but you know, as we were walking to it and I was on the phone, you're constantly processing and you're thinking, oh, could I, could I? And it was like, um, in my mind, I was like, no, I can't. I, it's, I, mon- I, it's a it's a monumental decision, isn't it? And you really yeah. need to, to think about it. I did remember my my question from earlier when I had my, my yes. brain fart moment. Um, you said that you and Johnny had had these conversations before you'd even had this happen before the condom even split you'd had the discussions about what you would do would Mm. you recommend that and advise that for couples to have that conversation yeah 100 percent. I would advise that for any relationship um communication is key Mm -hmm. whether that is you know your emotional states your mental states uh your ambitions if you want a family um your sex life like I know sometimes these conversations might make you feel awkward and and everything but you need to chat to your partner um about it so then things can maybe get better like you know especially in like your sex life let's be honest now a lot of us might not have the biggest orgasm ever the first time we sleep with our partners but then as you you keep going you talk to each other and then suddenly it's the best thing ever because you're so relaxed and you're so comfortable and I think as well, if you if you are someone who does want a family and you're with someone, you definitely need that conversation to see if they do. Because imagine if you've invested five, six years of your life and then they're like, no, I never want children and I don't want to get married. You're going to be absolutely devastated because you spent six years of your life with this person, with this idea, and that's now been shattered. So I do think you you do need to be completely transparent with each other to know where where you are well where each other's are like as well because 
initially I wanted to be in New York. I wanted to move to New York as soon as I left uni and I did actually get offered a job there. But then I stayed because of my family. So my dad wasn't well. And my parents did not make me stay, by the way. I chose to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of glad now because obviously poor New York was um, hit with the worst COVID uh, of the breakout, weren't they, as well, and, and everything. And also, I fell in love. So if I'd moved it to New York, I, well. wouldn't, I wouldn't be with John. You might have fell in love with a New Yorker instead. Oh, God, yeah. I don't know. Even on corn dogs. Yeah, <laughs> um, and also on the note of like transparency and and you said there about wasting six six years of your life with someone and then finding out they don't want marriage. If it had been a case that you wanted to keep the baby and Johnny didn't, that could have caused conflict and a breakup that could have affected your lives monumentally. But also the yeah. other way around, whether you'd not want the baby, Johnny did want the baby, that could have also led to a to a disastrous breakup in a really yeah. horrible, upsetting way. Yeah, exactly. I think depending on where you are as a person, you, you need to understand where your partner is as well. Yeah. So that if you ever do get into a situation like that, you can talk about it openly and you know where you both stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a tricky conversation, regardless, like, yeah, whether it's about children or your sex life or marriage, mm-hmm. you do need to say it calmly, I've learned, because mm-hmm. some, uh, maybe, I'm not, I'm not, trying to be stereotypical with men or anything but some people who might be afraid of commitment you need to talk to them without um nagging or putting pressure because I've learned as well from other friends as well as my relationship that you if you put pressure on someone it you almost push them away even more and they might not want it as much because, or they might think they don't want it because they're feeling like they're being forced into something. And anyone who's forced into anything definitely doesn't well, it's, like it. It's fight or flight, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, you just need to talk calmly in a calm manner. Like maybe you're just at home on the sofa just being like, look, there's something on my mind and I just kind of want to know where you stand on it. Um, and then you can just kind of go from there. Danny, I need you to write all this down for me in a journal so I can learn for when I meet my man, all right? All if, right. I meet, if I meet my man. Um, let's talk about the actual kind of appointments and how that went. So obviously you had these the phone call, you had all these phone numbers. I can't imagine how overwhelmed you must have felt. You mentioned there about feeling like an essence of shock and nothing's being processed, but then you're also being given all these phone numbers and it's on you to do something about it. It's not just going to, nothing's going to happen whether you want the yeah. baby or not, nothing's going to happen in a safe and healthy way without any kind of intervention from, from you. So you found out you were pregnant, you called these numbers, then what? Well, I actually only called one number because, okay. like you said, I was in shock and I just saw the first name and number and I just called that one because mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk to lots of people. I think because I was shocked and emotional. Um and because I was, I was scared. So I could put it, I was, I was terrified. Um, and I spoke to this lovely, uh, lovely midwife on the phone, and she said, "Oh, there's a clinic not far from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really good. They they ask you like where you live, and you give them the postcode, and they can find a clinic. Um, and it's free um, to have an abortion if you, um, if it's proved that you." aren't ready or you know other situations in your life where it's not um 
good to welcome a child or whatever. Okay, so if if they, that's weird. So they can kind of judge whether you are ready or not. And if well, you and if they think you're ready, then you have to pay. No, no, it's not like that at all. It's just that when you go, you have to say all the reasons why you're not ready. Um, and then they they say to you, what about adoption or have you thought about this? And you just kind of have to es- express as much as possible why you, you want the abortion. And I think it's to make sure that you're making the right decision. Right. Okay, so because, it's more um, of a, a mental thing for you yeah. rather than the baby's life. Yes, because I think some people might make a decision or rush into a decision and then they go through it and then they have a lot of um, issues like mentally or personally or trauma um, and they might get really depressed from it. So I think it's it's to make sure that you are going down the right path because I was asked a lot of questions whether or not, you know, I thought about this and and why I think I'm not ready. Did you think so, about yeah. adoption? no. Why? Uh, no, I did it because um, I didn't want to be pregnant and then give away the baby. Because mm-hmm. I think it's very hard as someone who possibly does want children. Yeah. And as a woman, I didn't want to go through pregnancy, especially my first pregnancy, with someone I can see as being my life partner and then not enjoy every moment of it. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, if you do really want to have children with your your partner, it's a magical experience and a time. And like, you know, if you have that first kick or the first ultrasound, you can share that together. Yeah. And I didn't want, I, I just knew it would be too hard for me to go to all these medical appointments that you have to go to because you're pregnant and not see it or see it and then get attached um, I think it's for people who do do adoption that way, like women who have a baby and then give it up, they're incredibly strong because I don't think I could do that. Um, and I, especially going through labor the first time and then, yeah. and then having to hand it over straight away. I think that's very tough. The the appointment, um, the first one that you went to at this clinic, when you spoke about different options, they made sure that you were, you were kind of sound mentally and making the right choice was your partner there. Yes. So after the phone call uh, on the Sunday, I had a telephone call while I was at work on the Monday. So I went up to one of the like offices and I said to people, I'm really sorry, I've got a doctor's appointment uh, on the phone. And that was an emotional call because, again, they give you lots of, excuse me, options and they talk you through the different processes. So there's a medical... Um, abortion where they surgically remove remove it and they basically cut they go up your vagina and they kind of do what I said to you about with my mum like they kind of get scrape it out basically no polite way of putting it um and that can make you obviously quite ill because um well you're under anesthetic first of all and obviously that can be risky with any procedure and your apparently your hormones are going completely AWOL because you've just suddenly had something removed that hasn't been natural. And the other option is um, a pill, basically what's pills that you take. Um, And that's the one I opted for. Uh, But on the phone, I was very emotional. I said to the the midwife, I went, I don't know, what do you recommend? Like, what what should I do? 
and she could tell I was quite distressed on the phone because mm-hmm. um, I said to her I was like, I've never been through this before like what I just said like tell me what to do and she went it's up to you she was really nice she was like it's up to you dear it's whatever you feel more comfortable doing but the, the surgical one's obviously more invasive mm-hmm. you might be very unwell for maybe two weeks after because your body's gone into shock yeah. um, and you, you might have really bad like bleeds afterwards uh, and be sick and um and she said but the pill one is you, you can do it in the comfort of your own home um you you might you all only be really bad maybe for the first like day or night depending on when you take it um and then you might have a bit of spotting and then that's kind of it so I was like okay I, I think I'll go with that one At and then the stage like, okay. when you was when you were talking about the different options how many weeks were you uh, I guessed I was around like five, six weeks. Okay. So not that far along. Um, and I didn't notice anything in terms of like my belly or anything like that. But yeah, my boobs were a lot bigger. Like after me and John found out, um, I said to him, oh, my boobs are really big. And he was like, yeah, they're massive. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I was like, they would just keep getting bigger. So I probably would end up being huge. Um, and uh yeah so anyway I had that conversation they booked me in for the next day it was a Tuesday and they said oh it's only up the road from your house so I phoned my work and I said um I phoned my boss who I'm very close with as well and I did openly tell her I went look I don't want to lie I hate lying and I don't want to say well I've got a doctor's appointment um and because I'd be a while I knew I'd be a while so I told her and she was, she was really supportive and was like, look, take as much time as you need. It, you'll be fine. Like, let me know if you need anything. Do you so think it, it helped telling, did, do you think it helped the fact that your boss is a woman? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that men aren't as supportive out there, but um, I think a lot of women have gone through scares anyway. And we're, we're quite caring people. And I'm not saying <laughs> men aren't either, but you know, if anyone's upset or needs something, we're quite like, okay, we'll, we'll go help. Um, so yeah, so she was, she was absolutely brilliant. Anyway, on the Tuesday morning, I went to the appointment and John came with me and I was really nervous. Uh, I hate going to the hospital anyway and I ask anyone, I get anxiety. It makes me feel really sick. How I had did a bit you get there? Bad. Huh? How did you get there? We just walked. walked. Um, it's really not far from like the station um and so we got some fresh air so you sit in and there's lots of leaflets around they were really nice all the midwives but yeah I hate hate hospitals anyway and John could tell I was really nervous because I said to him I kept sipping water and I do that when I feel really sick and um and I and I I really I get clammy hands and he he was like Danny you'll be fine I was like oh I don't know anyway they called me in and John Blessing wanted to come with me and I wanted him to come with me, but they actually don't allow men in um, when you go for your consultation. When you found that out, did you look at Johnny and how was his kind of appearance? How was his face when he found out he couldn't come in? Um, I mean, he, he looked all right, but I think he was more worried for me because he knew I was scared. Yeah, It wasn't like he felt like he needed to be there, like in the sense that, you know, for him, it was more like he knew that I wanted him there. Yeah. And again, I said to the midwife, I went, I went, um, I went, no, but I want him there. And she went, you can't come in yet. Uh, I said, it's just going to be me and you. And I went, okay. So I went in, had the chat and I, they, have, they make you pee in a cup first just to confirm you're pregnant. 
just to go just go back a minute had the chat what is the chat so they just ask you they ask you about like how you're feeling when the last time you took a pregnancy test was um what they think you know you want like apparently you know they they knew on my notes that I wanted a an abortion with the pills um so they go okay first things first uh we'll get you to pee in a pot and we'll do a pregnancy test um so I did a pregnancy test and obviously it was positive so then she puts me up on the bed she goes I need to do an exam now um to find out how far along you are um so you're on a bed and you know any woman can tell you it's not nice anyway when you're having a vaginal exam and it's uh, a horrible big like cylinder thing that they lube up um it's got a camera on the end and she said to me before she went in she was like um do you want to see it and I said no um and she was like, okay. She's like, and do you want me to tell you if there's there's twins? And I went, no. I said, I don't want to know anything. And again, I think that was for my own benefit. I think I had made up my mind at that point that I did want the abortion. I was very emotional during all this. Uh, yeah. tried, I tried not to cry, but certain things would make, you know, when your lip quivers or your eyes fill up with water. And I think, you know, they all knew. Just to clarify, because because I've never been in this situation, um, so I'm assuming they done the the vaginal um, with the camera that examination rather than the on screen belly one because it would be far enough to see it on the screen. Yeah, I think because of where I guessed I was, like for how far along I was, the going up um, the vagina obviously you're you're close to it, so you can see how big or small it is, um, and it's a more high definition um exam so they can find out everything about it um and so yeah so I was lying there and took a deep breath she went in and then they take lots of photos so she's got the keyboard and she's taking photos and then she goes right you need to take different breaths because they've got to kind of like wiggle it around to see kind of all angles and I just remember lying there the whole time wanting it to be over because it's not nice and I wanted John there and then um you get off the bed and she goes right okay so you want the abortion the pills and I went yes please and then she asked you all the questions again why do you think you want the abortion and I said I'm not ready finances everything I've already stated and she goes okay we need to get this signed off by a doctor um because it because it's a high because it's a a strong pill obviously kills something it needs to be approved. Did you ever feel, by the way, when you were, when they were saying, okay, why do you want this? Why do you want this? Did you ever feel kind of like there was any any judgment or did you feel like a part of you being like, why do I need to give you a reason? I just don't want to. I'm not ready. Was there any other frustration? Um, there was. the. I think the last time she asked me, I was getting a bit more agitated mm-hmm. and I just kind of wanted to leave um and and then she gave me some leaflets and she said um I can't I can't remember even what she said I think it might have been like how you use the tablets and I didn't listen and then she asked me the question again like okay so how do you take the tablets and I looked at her and I just went I don't know and she I think she got a bit snippy and then I remember just looking at her and I went, 
I went, look, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I know I want this, but just tell me and I'll, I'll, it'll be fine. Since if it's in this leaflet, it'll be fine. And then she was like, no, it's fine. I think, you know. Did you feel like this whole process when, when you found out you didn't know what to do and then you were given all this information, didn't know what to do and you didn't know what at that stage, did you feel like you just wanted someone else to swoop in and fix it for you? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. So I think you're already emotional anyway. And I think when you are pregnant, you are more emotional. And I was. Um, And yeah, like I said, I was scared. And I don't like to be out of control. And I don't like to be scared. I mean, no one does. But, you know, I just wanted it all over. You you, You know when you're really sick and you just go to bed and then in the morning it's all over. I wanted it to be like that. So we left and they said, just go for a coffee or something because you're, you're one of the first people we're seeing today. So the doctor should approve it quite quick because some days apparently when it's really busy, it takes them a while to go through it all. Anyway, we just got a coffee and then I got the call and they said, oh, you can come back. It's been approved. And I went, okay. Um, and I didn't eat anything because I was full of anxiety. Anyway, we went in and I saw another lovely nurse who was absolutely, she was lovely. Uh, she was an older lady, proper like mum. Do you know what I mean? Like someone who just made you feel comfortable and she Which knew what I you was, needed. Yeah. She knew I was obviously scared because I was quiet and I yeah, had a bit of a quivery lip and she sat me down. She goes, right. So um, do you, would you want to go back on contraceptives? And she said, we would advise that you do because clearly you are quite um, fertile. Mm-hmm. And I went, yes please um and so she said what were you on I said I really liked Celeste but they put me on like a cheaper version she goes oh that's good I've got some Celeste left so she gave me Celeste anyway they read she goes through everything again and they give you a pill there and then which the doctors or midwives or nurses have to watch you take um I think it's because this is the pill that kills it basically um it stops it growing um and so you take that pill And then she gave me uh, another um, strip of pills, which were six pills, Mm -hmm. um, which you are supposed to take vaginally. How big were these pills? Uh, The first pill I took was not like, I mean, like an ibuprofen pill, like a circular one. It wasn't that big. The pills that were, you had to insert vaginally were thicker and they were like squares. Um, They were quite like chunky. Um, and they might be, I don't know, but they could be similar to like the, the fresh ones that are on pessary. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure I am actually taking this, but I think they might be. And then she gave me um, tablets for pain. Um, and they're not like paracetamol. I think they're really strong painkillers. Like a codemol, maybe? Yes. Yeah, that's it. And, um, and she said, right, don't take these unless, you know, you are in a lot of pain. And make sure someone kind of like monitors you. Um, should start with one. If it gets really bad, take another one. Anyways, okay. And so the, the six pills they give you to take vaginally, you only need to take four and you have to insert them one at a time. And if you don't get any bleeds or um, pain within the first, I think it's four hours, mm-hmm. you need to take the next two. Um, anyway, I... sorry to interrupt you are you doing these at the same time so you just put four up at the same time so so the pill you take with the midwife um you then have to leave it like 12 to 24 hours okay um 
or I think you could leave it up to 48 hours, she said, depending on when you wanted to take it. And is that period like you would, as someone who's been through this, did you just want it all to be over quickly? Then that 12 hours you had to wait was kind of like, oh, come on, I really want to just... I did, but also because I told my manager, um, I said, I think I'm going to take them Wednesday night after work. And then can I please have Thursday, Friday off? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to take them as soon as I finish work on Wednesday. Um, So this was on the Tuesday. So yeah, fine, done all that. Went to work. Um, It was fine. And then Wednesday morning, I was at work and I started having a a bleed. Um, And obviously that was a bit of a shock. And again, I cried. Because in that moment, you realise you're basically having a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. A natural one. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right, you need to stop. Okay. So it's just a shock. Yeah. Um, so I found my, my boss. And, well, actually, I texted her and I was like, um, can I go home? It started. Now. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, fine. She gave me a hug. Um, she wished. It's all right, take your time and start. Were you told when you had the first tablet on the Tuesday that that would happen? Or were you not expecting that to happen until you started inserting the tablets by yourself? No, I I wasn't expecting that. I think maybe because I'd left it, it'd been 24 hours. And I think that's why. I think because you know, the first pill kills it in effect, you know, in a way that my body was just trying to naturally get rid of it, which is a good thing. So it means my body was working, but I think it was just a shock because I didn't know that was going to happen. So, so yeah, I left work and I was fine. Like on the walk, I was just like, okay, get home, like just get home. And then unfortunately my boyfriend was going to be at work and I tried to get him off um, and he tried to get it off. I think you know we've had conversations about this I think he could have tried harder but um anyway my my best friend bless her she came and she came straight after work which so I got home I think it was around like lunchtime maybe one o'clock and she came around three and she was like right okay have you like inserted them yet and and I was like no I was waiting for you because I didn't know what I didn't want to be on my own has she ever done one before? Has she got no. a history? So she didn't know how it no. worked either? No. Oh, and I did tell her, by the way, all about this, probably on the Tuesday when I went to the doctors. So she knew. It wasn't like she was coming in not knowing. No, I know. I and, didn't know if she had, like, personal experience. Uh, no, no, she never had it. So, um, so yeah, so she came and she was like, right, okay, I'm going to put the kettle on. You go into the bathroom and if you need me, like, let me know. Anyway put them in and I was trying to psych myself up because you know it's horrible when you've got to do something to yourself I think anyone who could tell you whether it's like an injection or whatever I think it's you know you you don't want to do it it'd be so much easier if someone could do it for you yeah and so I was in the bathroom and I was really upset like I was crying a lot and my mum had just called before Evie came over anyway and um so yeah, I was so in you there and I was like, okay. at this point as well, just to Yeah, sorry, I didn't say that. I told her, I told her, I think on the Monday uh, evening. And of course she was really supportive and everything. 
Um, and yeah, so I was in the bathroom. And I was like, okay, just, just do it. You just need to do it. And so I put one up, put the other one, like put them all up. Um, but I think because I was like shaking and full of adrenaline and everything, I didn't put the last two up high enough because they say you've got to like really push it up there. But I just wanted to get it over and done with. And because I was feeling sick and anxious anyway, I was just like, okay, just, just do it. And I was lying on the sofa and Evie got me a hot water bottle. And I said to her, I, was like, I don't think I've put the pills in far enough. He was like, why? I was like, I feel like I can feel the last two. And she was like, okay, right, go back in the bathroom. Um, she was like, if you need a hand, like, I'll help you. And I was like, no, I'll be fine. She was like, see if you can find them, maybe take them out and put them back in again. And they, yeah, they were too low down. So if anyone ever goes through this, you do need to properly get them up there. I'm surprised um, they didn't I, give you a pessary. Yeah, no, you just do it with your fingers. So Because that, um, that you get right up high with them because it's just like a little plastic thing, yeah. shove and pop. Yeah, I even tried to use it with a tampon applicator and that didn't work. But, Can I just um, confirm quickly? So the tablet you take with the with the midwife or the nurse on the, the day in the doctor's surgery mm-hmm. is to stop the baby or fetus from growing. And then the ones that yeah. you do yourself are just to remove the lining. Is that right? It's basically, yeah, to bring on a miscarriage. Okay. So um, it it basically tricks your body into thinking it's having a miscarriage. So um, your body will go through the natural thing as as if you were um and so that's why I think you have to put them up quite high because it releases something that pulls it all out anyway so after I took them out I put them back in after that it all kind of happened quite quick um so I did that Evie then cooked she's like right I feel like you need to eat something because you're probably going to be in pain for the rest of the night and so bless her she cooked me this lovely like chicken dish with these like wedges I and mean, she's an amazing cook uh she's better than me just, oh i know you love my cooking something. yeah no, she Evie, is. i need uh, dinner thanks <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she cooked me dinner but i didn't even eat like that much um but she was like right just try and eat a bit so i did and i ate my, like, my salad and drank lots of water and then we sat in my bed. No, I was on the sofa. And then that's when the pain really started to kick in. Um, where was the pain? In your stomach or vagina or where? Uh, it was like a really bad period pain. Okay. So in just in my womb, uh, lower stomach. Um, any, any back pain as well? I always get back pain on my period. So maybe I don't, I, I, it wasn't that bad then. It was just more like it was a bad period pain. Mm-hmm. Now I get really bad period pains anyway that I'm almost used to it. Um, but maybe for someone who doesn't, who hasn't suffered period pains or doesn't get them very bad, these would be quite bad, I think, um, in comparison. And so we were on the sofa and then I said, I think I want to lie down. Um, and, and she was like, okay, that's fine. Right. You go to the toilet, check yourself. Oh yeah. I forgot to mention that the midwives give you these massive, um, liners. They're like, um, sanitary towels but yeah. they're like massive um, and it's normally for like if you've had a baby because you might have bleeds Bleeding after yeah yeah so um so I had those and so I went to the toilet and yeah things had started because I was bleeding but not like how much blood was there at the start not that much just a bit but it was more like without being too gruesome it was like a darker color okay um was, and- it, was it clotted or was it just no, the start of it was more like liquidy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then, so I was like, okay, it's starting. So I put on like another, changed my, my liner, got into bed and Evie and I were watching films. I was like, right, I know this might be really weird, but I want to watch like, um, like, uh, like a thriller or something. I wanted something, yeah, I wanted something distracting. You love a zombie. Um, and so she stayed with me and then it, the pain just kept getting worse and worse, um, like really bad. And I was lying in the bed and it was, and I was trying not to take the drugs that they gave me. And I'd already taken ibuprofen and paracetamol and that did nothing. Why um, were you holding off taking the pills they'd given you? Um, because I think I've got a really good pain threshold and I was like, oh, I won't need them. Is that the kind, that's, the, that's the strong woman in you. <laughs> yeah. But also um, I wanted, I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll see how bad it can get before I take them. Cause I didn't yeah. want to take them too early and then it got way worse and I might need to take another one. So this was probably now, so I popped all those pills up maybe around three o'clock and this was now about six, seven, it was getting worse. And it got to about half seven. I said to Evie, I went, I think I need the, the other drugs. She was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, how many are you gonna take? And I went, I think I'm gonna take two. And I am very good with pain, but if I had to take two, I think as well, my mind, I was like, it's gonna get worse because it hasn't even, started that much like there's a bit but you know there's a lot that needs to come out um so I took two and before it kicked in I was like really clammy you know when you're like you feel cold but you're sweating almost like you're in a flu and I think this might happen to women who go through a natural miscarriage um I'm not sure but yeah you just you just didn't feel well and I went to the toilet again before they started kicking in and that's when it started to get really like bad um like messy wise uh that's when it was more like clotty um and I just didn't want to look at it because obviously every time you go to the toilet you can't help but look but because you know you, you, feel, you feel guilty and you feel sad so uh so Evie bless her she was like I don't mind like helping and I was like no like you don't do. oh, but she was like she was, but she was really sweet she was like no but it's fine and I was like okay now I'm all right anyway then I got into bed and the, t- the tablet started really kicking in um which was good I felt really relaxed and really floaty and I had my glide up and I can see the um, Olympic Stadium yeah and the lights were twinkling and I remember I was I was almost like I was drugged up I was looking at it and I was like spaced out but I had no worries then. It was like all gone. Mm-hmm. And then bless her, Evie stayed until about 11 o'clock. And she said, right, Danny, I need to go. Are you going to be okay? And I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> As a I, I, I was like, you know, I was drugged up. So I was like, all right. <laughs> and, um, and she went, right, I'm going to come to the toilet with me and I'm going to make you go to the toilet. And yeah, and she would tell you, it was like I was really like drunk or really drugged up. I was like, ah. and she had to help me in the toilet, bless her. And she did like clean me up. Oh, and um, yeah, and then, and I remember saying to her, though, I was like, don't look. And she was like, Danny, it's fine. And then I went to the, I went to bed and she tucked me in, bless her. And she was like, just call if you need anything. And she called Johnny, my boyfriend on the way home. And she was like, just, so you know, like, it's in full flow. She's taken the tablet. She's a bit like spaced out, but she's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, and Evie put on like a Disney film for me just to like chill out to. <laughs> and um, I think I fell asleep. And then I'm not even quite sure if I woke up when John got home. 
but I woke up in the middle of the night I think when the maybe at three in the morning when the tablets stopped working yeah, yeah and the pain was back so I took another just one tablet um because I couldn't sleep I tried to get through it I went to the toilet cleaned myself up got into bed and that's when like I was like oh no this is really bad um so I took another one and then I fell back asleep and I was fine were the big um, pads enough or did it go through your clothes go through the, the bed um the big pads were fine until the morning when a little bit had gone well it'd gone through my clothes um well through onto my clothes and a little bit had gone on the bed mm-hmm. not that much I think because I kept getting up and I was kind of cleaning myself as I went yeah I didn't just kind of sit there um because I mean anyone can tell you if you have a heavy period or you flood you can feel it so you just kind of oh, like wanna, yeah you just want to like clean yourself up yeah um so every time like a big bit felt like it came I kind of like went to the toilet and like sorted myself out but luckily a lot of the time every time I stood up that's when it kind of came out so I was lying down most of the time so I'd kind of like quickly go to the toilet and then it would come out in the loo yeah um and yeah and then in the morning I, I felt fine a bit I was really tired uh, I looked quite pale wasn't very hungry uh, I just felt a bit like you know oh god just been through this thing and my back was sore then and my my still had period pains but they weren't that bad um and yeah I just felt a bit disheveled really a bit um down and the one thing I would say I kind of regret um is and I've had this conversation with Johnny since and we've you know it's been a calm conversation it hasn't been shouting or anything I just got upset again I went just so you know like I really needed you there and he he understands and he feels really bad that he he wasn't there and I think I've said to him I was like I think you know any whoever goes through this I think it's very important for a partner to see what a woman goes through because I don't think you truly understand you think oh an abortion is an easy solution which in some ways it is like you know it's not it like the, the way I went through it was quite easy you know I didn't have to have surgery I was in my home I was comfortable but I think you know I want I've said to John I wanted you to see it I wanted you to see, I, w- I wanted you to see everything, like the, the blood, all of it. Because I think as a man as well, you, you know, you dissociate yourself from it. Even when a woman's pregnant and is having a baby, the men always admit they don't feel like they're a father until they've hold, like they hold their baby. But women feel like they're mothers as soon as, you know, you, ha- you feel a kick and you have that bond. And I think it's the same thing with an abortion. It's men might think, oh, well, it's the woman that goes through it. So she'll sort it out kind of thing. And I, sorry, what? Do you think because of your kind of nature, the fact that you are very independent and strong word, we've spoken about that throughout this episode. Do you think he didn't realise the kind of severity of it? Did you, do you think... Or do you, was there? Do you think there were some ways where he was kind of just either trying to brush it under the carpet as that's that's not a big thing? Mm, I think a bit of both. I think because I said because John's rotor used to come out weekly, 
And I'd said to him, okay, can you phone management and say that you can't work because something's happened and you don't even have to say what it is. But I said, if you need an excuse, just say that like Danny needs you. It's a personal thing. Um, and I don't know whether he, he did that or not. I'm, I'm not sure, but he said he couldn't get it off. And then I think because he said he couldn't get it off, then I, I just asked Evie, my best friend, and because she could be there, I was like, okay, well, I won't be on my own. Yeah. So that that's fine. So yeah, maybe that's the independent part of me thinking it's fine. But John as well, I think, is the type of person, it took a long time for us to talk about how he feels, um, not just about this situation, but in general, he, he wasn't very good at opening up about his feelings um and he's not as close to his family as like maybe I am with my mum um you know I talk to my mum like maybe twice a week and it'll be like an hour conversation whereas John might not talk to his parents for a long time and if they do it might be on like Facebook messenger or um a text and um and even after this John hasn't really told anyone like he hasn't told any of his friends he hasn't told his family and he's like really close to his little sister and he hasn't told her that. And for me, I find that quite weird and shocking. It, part of me does feel like maybe he is embarrassed or maybe he, like I said, wants to brush it under the carpet. I don't know. Whereas I'm the type of person, I can't leave things bottled up. Because mm -hmm. if I do, then that's when I do explode with emotion, whether that's shouting or I don't know any uh, whatever crying so I'm very open like ask anyone I'll tell you exactly what's going on in my life I'm not ashamed I'll talk about sex fine I'll talk about sex toys really I don't get embarrassed sex about drugs anything. and rock and roll exactly I don't <laughs> I don't get embarrassed about things so a lot of my friends can come to me and they don't feel embarrassed because I will never ever make them feel that way I'll be like there's nothing wrong with that I'm like that's normal that's probably um, why me and you get on so well isn't it yeah yeah definitely I think because we both can open up and talk about things and you don't even have to start by saying I need to tell you something like you just say it yeah. and that's what's yeah. nice um so so yeah I think that's something that we have also talked about I have told him I'm like because I've told our friends like our joint friends not all of them but like we had a housemate. I told him. I told his girlfriend. I told like, another friend. Well, also, I told Danny, my closest girlfriend. You're doing this podcast as well. Yeah, exactly. That's I feel like thing. it's. I think it's important for people to understand, and there's nothing wrong with it. I think as someone who went through it, I mean, as you can see, I got upset. I still get upset about certain things, um, but. I think it's important to talk about it. And the same with like miscarriages, like poor, you know, Chrissy Teigen, that, that celebrity who just went through one and no, everyone was kind of shocked. And, you know, a lot of people don't talk about it. It's kind of a taboo subject. And I feel the same with abortions. Like, you, yes, you hear the word abortion and you're told you can have that option, but then that's it. You're not told about anything else and you're not told about the process or the after effects or anything like that. Let me pause you there. Let's talk about the after effects. How has it impacted you and your mental health? Um, I would say it has impacted quite a lot. I am quite a strong person and I do block things out 
uh, that's just how I deal with things. I don't, I only get upset when I talk to people yeah. and a lot of people grieve or talk about things in different ways. Like my dad also got diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2016. And when I was told, well, me and my brother, my brother was, he's very sensitive, bless him. Um, he uh, was really upset. And I remember when I looked at him, I couldn't look at him because he was going to make me cry. So then I looked at my dad and I was like, okay, what are the treatments? How bad is it? What stage are we at? Like, what's next? That's how I think. And my dad laughed then because he went, God, you're so much like me because that's how he thinks. I was saying, when I'm on my normal day to day life, I'm absolutely fine. I, I don't, I almost try not to think about it, but that's just how I deal with it. Mm-hmm. But then when I talk to people about it, I do get a bit upset. Not when I talk like, oh, I've had an abortion, by the way if I talk in depth about it, then I do get upset because I think it's a very traumatic thing for anyone to go through. Um, and, you know, like I said, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy at all because as a woman, you know, you're kind of brought up and well, born into the world knowing you're the one that can produce life. Obviously, yes, with the help of a man, but you're the one that grows it, you're the one that delivers it and you're like, you know, everything else. And to choose to not have it and then basically go through a miscarriage but a chemical one and I know it's your choice what was my choice but it's a shock even if it is your choice you're still thinking of all the other possibilities you know you're thinking about like oh if I kept it it would have been born here and I did think that like I worked out if I'd kept the child when would it have been born? And I worked out I would have been born incredibly close to Johnny's birthday. And, you know, then I was like, oh no, like, you know, that would have been kind of sweet. And then you think about all the other possibilities. Like, since going through this, I think I do want children more than I did. And I think it's because, yeah. And I think it's because, you know, now I know that, oh, I could have a child. My body works. Obviously, I don't know what will happen in however yeah, many Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Does it feel like kind of a sense of relief that you know that you can have children? Yeah. I mean, me and John joked about it. Like, even John was like, all those years of abuse at uni. He's like, <laughs> clearly it didn't affect it. <laughs> um, so, uh, no, we were both... When, when we realised and we booked the appointments before I'd had the abortion, um, we were joking about things yeah. and saying, like, oh, we could have kids and... And there's something as well very primal if you're in a relationship and you find out you're pregnant. Um, you both feel very powerful and very sexually attracted to each other more. Mm. Um, so when we did have sex, again, before I had the abortion, it was very like passionate and like animalistic because I think you see each other in a new light. And like even John was like, yeah, like, you know, you were carrying my child at the time. And that was very like attractive. Um, it's really so interesting that. I mean, it, it, makes, it makes complete sense, but it's not something that you would think. We often no. forget that we're animals, don't we? Exactly. But there's something quite, yeah, primal. And we were very like sexually attracted to each other because we were like, oh yeah, like, so, um, so yeah. But I think it's made us both realise, you know, we've had the chats many times since now, like, that I've said that I think I do want kids in the future. Like, right now, definitely not. I'm not ready. And I don't know when I'll be ready. Mm-hmm. But 
since this has happened, I, I look at John sometimes and I'm like, oh, a little one of him. <laughs> it would be cute. <laughs> it would be cute. Like I can just imagine him in a little like bow tie or something. Oh, stop um, it. So, so no, we have had the chat, but yeah, we're just not, it just wasn't the right time, unfortunately. Danny, I really, really, really appreciate you coming on to speak about this. Um, obviously, I knew that this had happened to you, but I didn't know if you'd be up for coming on the podcast. I didn't want to put any pressure on you. I have got one final question before we kind of round this up, and it's quite a difficult yeah. question, I think. Do you regret the decision that you made? No. No, I don't, because, as I said before, it just wasn't right. I do feel guilty. I do. Like, you can't help feeling guilty. And I remember after it happened, um, I was, I used to cycle to work before um, the, the like other two lockdowns. And I used to cycle through Victoria Park. And there's obviously really early in the morning, there'd be loads of parents with their newborns, like in prams. And I used to feel really like crap doing that because I was like, oh, that could have been. But there's no point thinking that way because it wasn't right and you know hindsight is a wonderful thing and we wish certain things wouldn't happen but it did and it yeah just it wasn't if I look back now because if we'd kept it the child would be what uh it'd be three months old now if I kept the child um and just where we are in terms of our lives and our careers um, it, you know, I'm just starting my career and so is kind of John since we moved to London. We're not financially stable. It just, it, I can't imagine our lives with a child. And I think that's what I kept thinking about the whole time. But since we've gone through this, I feel like I'm a step closer to wanting one, especially wanting one with John. But there's lots of other things we want to do together first. Yeah. And I think that's important as a couple as well whether or not you go through this or not to realize where each other are at in their life and to you know you're supposed to be there to support each other yeah, and I want to support John in his endeavors and he wants to support me with mine and I'm only just starting my career so I don't want to put that on hold for a bit and I want a dog first at the end of the day. Yeah, you I want, want a furry one, furry dog. Exactly, I want a furry baby first. <laughs> Danny, thank you so much for coming on. And also kind of thanks to Johnny, even though he wasn't here, but he was spoken about a lot. So I feel like he's kind of like there as a little shadow. So thanks, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, him. thanks, Danny. And thank you again. <laughs> Can't say no worries. Really. <laughs> I hope it helped. So there you go. A really honest tale of what an abortion is is really like for a woman um really interesting episode and as I mentioned there about 10 times thank you again Danny for coming on to share that story I know that wasn't easy for you to do but I hope it helps you in a way in in sharing that on this platform if you're listening and you would like to get in touch you can do so I'd love to hear from you you can do that by email if you like woman to woman podcast at gmail.com and um, we're also now I keep saying we're I I am also now on um, Apple Podcasts. so if you want to leave a review if you're enjoying listening then apparently that works wonders for my stats so that would be great if you want to do that as well <laughs> um, any feedback or anything at all do let me know if you want to message me saying hope 
great podcast, but you're really annoying. I can't guarantee I'll change, um, but still, you can say whatever you like. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll be back next week for another episode with another incredible woman. Have a great week. <laughs>